said, it is great to be together to worship the holy name of the Lord. Please be seated. Uh, we get this up to the better. I thank you, praise team. Appreciate that very, very much. Yes, absolutely. And Trevor, nice to have you back. I uh, hope that it looks like they had a wonderful time. And we do support people in India. And you'll be hearing more about um, so the, uh, the places around the world that we do support and some decisions we'll be making in the next year about where that support is going to be going. And by the way, he did mention the fact that uh, the kids love to receive pictures and things like that, but not of your house, but more of your family. You know, we, we support three kids around the world. We support a little boy in Haiti, and we support a little girl down in Ecuador, and we support a girl over in the Philippines. I'm going to encourage you over the next few weeks to bring in some pictures and a little note, and we'd like to send those off to those kids to be able to say, here's the church family that loves you and cares about you and is helping to provide for you. So keep that in mind. You'll be hearing more about it. Get those photos ready, maybe a little note that just says we love you, and we'll uh, gather them all together and send them off to those three kids. All right? Now, this is the season of thankfulness. Thanksgiving is coming up very, very soon. And are you, how many of you are really thankful for, for creation, for nature? How many of you are really nature kind of people? Okay? You, you love being out in nature, and it's amazing to think that there are people in the world that grow up and they live in the big cities, they don't own cars, all they know is high-rises, things like that. It's just, you know, we, we live in such an incredible area. Many people are so grateful for nature and the beauty that you actually go out and spend time. As a matter of fact, I was just told by Vance that the next year's ch church camp out is going to be at Silver Creek, Silver Falls, right over here. And so next, uh, usually it's the last Sunday in July, the whole church, many of them, 100 or more, will go out and they'll camp and they'll spend time in nature. And it's, tell me something, how do you treat it when you're all gone? You treat it with love and respect? I mean, when you leave nature, do you actually, let me show you a picture right here of some people who love nature so much they wanted to camp in it. And that's what they left. Now, I guarantee that during this event, whatever it was, people were walking around, going, oh, man, it's so great to be out here. Don't you just love being out here in nature? And then they left it like that. So tell me, are they really thankful for nature? You can't do that to a pristine meadow like that and then say, you know, I'm really grateful and thankful for nature. See, it's not what you say, and it's not what you feel. It's what you do that is going to express how much you really are thankful. As a matter of fact, in the early church, some things were going like People would say they were thankful to God, but they didn't change their life. They didn't do anything about it. And James writes this to the church. He says, isn't it obvious that God talk without God actions is outrageous nonsense? Are you thankful for the God? Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. How's that affecting your life? That's why we're in a very short series. The second one, next week, we'll all be done. Believe me, even though it's, we got to the pulpit a little bit, trust me, I'll get you out on time. I, I figured this whole thing out. We're in a series called this, Functional Thanksgiving. Isn't that a really dull title? But what we're trying to get across to you is Thanksgiving is not just an emotion. It's not just, getting, oh, I'm so thankful. Let's stand up and sing songs of thanks and praise. There's a functional side, a practical side. If you're really thankful to God, you're going to do something about it. Soon, very soon, a week from this Thursday, where many of us will gather together, most of us, in fact, around a big table, and we'll stuff ourselves with all kind of great food, and there's nothing wrong with that. Thanks, 
Thanksgiving feasts or in Scripture, it's okay to do that. And like we talked about, there will be that tradition in many households to go around and say, tell me what you're thankful for. And I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for food. I'm thankful for God. And I told you, what was the question I want you to ask them if you're really going to shake it up? Once they say, I'm thankful for my parents, you look at them and say what? What are you going to do about it? Okay? It's one thing to say you are, and it's one thing to feel that you are, but tell me, how is it actually going to affect your life? What are you going to do about it? If you're really thankful to God, it's going to show up in our actions. So this is what we're looking at right here. Functional thanksgiving is seen in three things. How I personally treat God. My relationship with his family, and what I do and say in the world. Now, last week we took a look at that first one. If I'm really thankful to God, it's going to treat, it's going to change how I treat Him, not just how I think about Him or feel about Him, but actually how I treat Him. Did you ever think that you actually treat God a certain way? Many people ignore Him as treating Him a certain way. How do we treat God? This is what we learned last week. Because I'm thankful to God, I will do this. I will keep Him the center of my life. Okay? Not just part of my life. God is not just an important, he's not just the most important part, he's the center, the hub of the wheel around which everything else revolves. Some of us like God, some of us love God, some of us he's part of our life, for some of us he is important. He wants to be the hub from which everything else radiates. We're going to stay connected with frequent prayer. Okay, he's with us all the time. Did you learn the habit of those little bullet prayers we talked about last week of just saying, thank you, God, thank you. I was driving down the street, and this time of year, most of the leaves are gone, but usually the week before and the week after the Halloween is, man, the, the leaves are gorgeous. And I was driving down the street this week, and I saw that tree, and it was gorgeous. Thank you, Father. What an incredible gift. Just beautiful today. And there was some weather this last week, man, it just felt like, like springtime almost. It was gorgeous. Thank you, Father. I praise you in the name of Jesus Christ for your goodness, constantly talking to him, and then also filling my mind with praise to him. Talking to him could be complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint after request after request. Can you do those things? Sure, you can complain to God. That's all right. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Can you request? Of course, he even tells us to do that. But is that all you do? Well... What if your kids treated you that way? <laughs> or maybe they do. <laughs> you don't like it, do you? Our Father is a good and awesome and great and wonderful God. How often do you just say, Father, man, it is so good to be able to thank you so much. You were so good to me. You're just good. No matter what happens, you're good. Filling your mind with praise. And then joining with the church and worship. And here you are. Thank you. It's great. But remember, God loves it when his children come together to sing praises. Something special happens when you do that. It doesn't mean that you have to be here every single Sunday. We get that. It's okay. But there are so many people who would say, well, I can just worship so much better apart from the church. And what they've done is they've made the whole worship experience about them. I like worship better for me when I'm by myself. I will tell you now, God likes worship better when we're together. Because that's what scripture says. Do not neglect the coming together. Because there's something special that happens when a group of people come together and say, you know what? Let's praise the Lord. And then finally, generously give back to him. Here's a hard thing for us to do because 
we, we don't mind these other things. Here it's going to cost you something. And that's harder for us. Now that's true in Scripture. It's been true from the very beginning. That's why God talks about it a lot. We just need to generously release back to Him some of what's given to us to say, thank you, Father, because one, this tells me that it's not mine, it's yours, it came from you, and two, it's how God has decided to touch other people. He doesn't need our money, but that's how he's decided to use it. We will give to him collectively. He will use that here in this community, in this state, in this country, around the world, in India. That's how it works. All right. There we go. Today, we're going to move on. Today, we're going to look into this one. My relationship with his family. Okay? By that, you can call it his people. We need to take a look at this word. This is a terrible word. I hate this word, but it's the only word we've got, and it's this word right here called the word church. Now, let me tell you why I don't particularly like that word, because that is a terrible translation of the actual Greek. I'm not trying to show off here, okay? It's just the truth. This is the Greek word for that we translate church. It's called ekklesia. Say that with me. Ekklesia. Ek is the prefix in Greek that means out of. It's a drawing something out of. Ekklesia means this. It means the called out ones. That God has called us out of the world. And the group of people who have responded to that call are the ekklesia. The called out ones. How did we get the word ecclesia into the word church? And you know the answer? Nobody does. So if you know it, tell me. We think that it's based on an old Greek word um, that's more of a, of a um, let's see what, I think it's kuriakos. That's what it is. Kuriakos. Kuriakos came's church. And I didn't even know how that happened. But kuriakos means belonging to God, meaning God's house, which is where we got the idea that a church is a building. How many times when someone said, well, what church do you go to? Well, it's that, that building over there on the corner of 45th and Silver Street. This is the meeting place. This is the meeting place. We're the church. The church is not a place, it's not a location. But because of that word church, we kind of get that idea that the church is a location. And it's not. It's a group of people who have responded to God's call, the called out one, the ecclesia, the, the, uh, the assembly, the congregation, the family. That's what the church really means. And it's so important to get this right because the church is so important in the kingdom of God, it's so important what God wants to do. When we get this straight, we have to understand this. This is so important to God because for this reason right here, because God is best revealed through his church. This is how God has chosen to reveal himself to the world, through his church, his ecclesia. If you want to, scratch out the word church and put in the word ecclesia. That's how God has chosen to do it. Let me show you this passage. His intent was that now, through the ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. God said, you know what? Lots of different ways I tried to show the world who I am and what I do. 
But ever since Jesus came along, many changed. Jesus even said this, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. They'll know you're a church. They'll know that you're the called out ones if you love one another. Isn't it interesting how we treat one another? Is the evidence to the world that God exists. We've already talked about in the previous uh, sermon series that God revealed himself through nature, and you can look through nature, and you know, he, he did put enough in nature so we can go, oh yeah, this tree didn't get here by itself, somebody created it. Okay. And he's revealed in the word, he's revealed through the Bible, he's revealed through the written and the prophetic word, and he's revealed through Jesus Christ. That was his most perfect revelation. That through Jesus, we see what God is like and we see what God wants. Those are all the sermon series from last series. They're all online if you want to take a look at them. But where's Jesus seen today? Well, it doesn't do any good. Jesus left. That was 2,000 years ago. So how do you see God today? Well, the nature is still here, but that wasn't perfect. And the Word is still here, but that didn't work all that well either. Jesus was the most perfect revelation Why did God only do it for three years of ministry? Because Jesus still is here, isn't he? You see, that's what the church is supposed to be. Lots of words in Scripture talk about that. The church. How about his body? The body of Christ. How about this? The family of God. That's who we are. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. That's the church. Let me show you this picture right here. Picture of Jesus. I love it. Now, whether he looked like that, probably not. That's a little too white, a little too Anglo. We need a little, uh, little more Semitic figure, uh, features, that sort of thing. But you know what I love about this particular picture? You've probably seen something very similar. You know what it's made up of? Individual little bitty pictures of people. Let's go to the next slide. You can even see kind of a close-up. You see that? There's a little baby there, and there's an adult, and lots of little kids, all that. Those are the ones that when you put them together, you look and go, that's Jesus. That's the church. God said, I'm going to show the whole world who I am. I'm going to show them a picture of my son. I'm going to show them a picture of who I am. And I'm going to do it through a group called the ecclesia, the called out ones, the group we call the church. See, this is what's really true. The church is the family, and family matters. The church is not an organization. It's not just, now we do have organizations. We've got, we've got bylaws. We've got rules. We've got all kinds of, we had to incorporate stuff like that. But that's things the government wants us to do, but there are lots of churches that don't do it. These are still the church. All it does is make us legal in the eyes of the government. The church is a family. There's just no better way to, it's not a building, and we could use the word the assembly, or the congregation, I don't know what that means either, but I think most of us can really relate to this word, family. The Bible calls us the bride of Christ, it calls us the body of Christ, the called out ones, the ecclesia, but one of the best is simply the word, family. Take a look at this passage. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will all reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, 
did you get that? He says, it's okay, we, we need to do good to everybody, but you need to make a special effort for those who belong to the family. Why would he say you have to make a special effort to those who belong to the family of believers? Tell me why you think he did that. I can name a couple of reasons off the top of my head. Think about your own family. Why would he say make a special effort for the family of believers? Any thoughts? What? Okay, developing that love, because we do that, and that's, again, that's how we show the world that Jesus exists, if we can do it right here. But there's another reason why you really have to do it specially here. It's harder here. Haven't you ever been nice to a stranger? Well, you go through, the, through a Walmart or whatever, and, and you bump it, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you go home, and you live with that person, and you've got to deal with their mess and who they are, and maybe we're a little less gracious there. Sometimes it takes more grace and harder effort to be kind to the people you live with every single day, just as it's a little harder for them to be kind to you because you can't put on that face that you get to put on when you go out in the world. Oh, you know, that big smile for everybody. Man, it's good to see and you go home. It's a little tougher there. You know what? We, we live together as the family of God. We've known each other. We know each other's flaws. We have visitors and we're very kind to them and it's wonderful that we should because we want to be able to welcome them. And um, then we come into the church and sometimes because we know each other, because sometimes we know each other so well, we kind of get on one another's nerves. And it sparks friction. And the church, instead of being that wonderful place of love and mercy and grace, becomes a place of, the Bible talks about that because it happened a lot even in the early church. Be careful that you don't bite or devour one another. Scripture says that. So the Bible says, you know what, make a special effort right here with the family. And family matters. It's so important when someone becomes part of the family. Like any family, how the members treat one another speaks volumes. It speaks volumes about the family dynamic and how we treat one and children and how children treat one another speaks volumes about the parents as well. How many of you have, uh, I won't ask for your own personal experience, but at least you know of individuals whose children and the parent is devastated how painful it is to watch your own children be devastated how painful for God to look at his children the family the ecclesia Church is family and family matters. And so, because it is the family, because it is his family, because we are the ecclesia, because we're the called out one, we're going to find, I'm going to give you four ways, and we'll be done here already, four ways that we're going to be able to demonstrate true thankfulness to God in the church, in the church family. Okay? 
Four things that we can't do that, that don't just say we're thankful to God for the family or we're thankful for God for who he is. We're just thank- Four things that we can do that will demonstrate functional thanksgiving. Ready? Here we go. Number one, by fulfilling my proper place within the church family. Okay? Don't you hate it when you're in a church, when you're in a family, any other family, and one family member just doesn't do anything. They're just there. They almost think like all the other family members are there to serve them. Really ticks you off, doesn't it? Well, guess what? In the church family, when God adopted us into his family through Jesus, he also, through his spirit, gave each one of us a role, a thing we're supposed to be doing, and he gave us the gifts to be able to do it. Take a look at this passage right here. This is coming from the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was one of those churches that was going like this. Bam, bam, bam. All kinds of issues going up. Paul takes chapter after chapter in, the, in 1 Corinthians to say, straighten out, this is what's wrong, you're doing this wrong, here's what's true. Bam, just like this. And one of the things that they were really upset about was who was the best in the kingdom, who was best in the church, who got to get the, get the good jobs and speaking in front of people, who were, had the cruddy jobs of cleaning up after others, you know, that kind of thing, just nonsense. Paul writes and says, look, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Okay? I know you all have a different role to place in a different, but the spirit gave them to you. There are different kinds of service, different roles within the church, different things you're supposed to be doing, but it's all about the same Lord Jesus Christ. There are different kinds of workings, things that we're supposed to accomplish, but the same God works in all of them and all men, and now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. When you decided to be part of the family, and God adopted you through Jesus Christ, when you said yes to him at that moment, God knew that there was a place for you to fulfill, and the Spirit of God gave you the gifts to fulfill it. And if you're really going to be thankful to God, you need to find that role and do it. Yeah, that role could be anything. I mean, sometimes people have the role of teachers and, or preachers, or sometimes people have those quiet roles, the, the roles of it's just amazing how many people it takes just to do what we do here on Sunday morning. Some people have the role of leadership and administration and decision-making, and other people have the role of cleaning up, and some people have a role just of mercy and grace to speak in people's lives. God is the one who's called you to that role. There's no better role, there's no good role, there's no bad role. God has called you, and the Spirit has given you everything you need to do it. So he just says, find it and do it. That's it. You say, I, I don't know what my role is. Well, come see me. We'll, uh, we'll try um, trial and error and see what works for you, okay? Find out what your heart is, and we'll, you know, I've got lots of things maybe you could do. And you're going to try nine of them and go, I hate that. That didn't work at all. Okay, that's fine. But there's something for you. Don't just come. Come and be a part. Second way, I'm really going to demonstrate this, uh, this functional thanksgiving. By putting the needs of the church family over my own. That's, that's huge. Particularly in today's world because we live in what's called a consumer society. Uh, I did my doctorate on this kind of... Uh, investigation, discussion, writing several years ago. We live in what's called a consumer society. And so we, we generally go to places with the whole idea of being a consumer. Let me tell you the wrong way to see the church. It's simply this. What does this church have for me? 
you're asking the wrong question. Someone walks up to me and says, well, what does this church have for me? Do you know what I'm tempted to say? We have a front door. Let me show you where it is. We're not a spiritual Walmart. We're a family. You ever walk into your family and say, well, you know what? What do you guys have for me as a family? Otherwise, I'm going to go join another family. We're not a spiritual Walmart. We're the family. It's not about you. We have to learn to be able to say, you know, I'm going to come into a, to a fellowship. And by the way, the proper way to, to choose a church, and many of you may be seekers and looking for other churches, that's wonderful. No problem with that. God leads and guides. It's okay. Just when you go to that church, whatever you're looking for, you look around and you don't say, what does this church have for me? You look around and you say, is this the type of church where I can invest what God has given me? My time and my talent and my treasure. Can I invest in this church for the years to come? And if that's true, then you found your church. You found your family, the place that you can invest what God has given to you into who they are and what they're doing. That's the church. Take a look at this passage. What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together? <laughs> I love it. When you come together, we came together. Everyone has a hymn, word of instruction, revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. All of these things must be done, what? For the strengthening of each of us individually. You're thinking like an American. Stop it. Think like a Christ follower. All of these things must be done for the strengthening of the ecclesia. The called out ones. That's why we come together. I've had people leave churches because, well, the church didn't have anything for me. Well, sorry to hear that. I'm not really trying to give you anything except a place to belong. Except a place to be who you're supposed to be in God. Except a place to take your place and do what God asks you to do. That's what I'm trying. Third way to demonstrate this thankfulness to God. I'm going to find my proper place and I'm going to put my needs aside because I'm going to come and understand that it's all about building up the church. By looking for those and helping those in the church who are wounded and weak. Um, there are times that people come into the church. Sometimes they stumble in from the world, maybe from another church or from some situation. Sometimes they've been part of us for a long time. And through situation, they've really become wounded and weak, sick. And those people need a little break, perhaps, from... place that they were called to serve. And what they need is they need brothers and sisters to say, let me help you. Let me take care of you. Let me help heal you and make you stronger again. Not so that you can be helped and ministered to for the rest of your life so that you just stay weak and wounded. I want to help you be better. I want to help you. If you come into this place and we know that you're 
in that condition. We want to help you become strong again so that you can take your place that God has called you to. Now, there are some within the fellowship who bless their hearts. They're at an age and a point in their life where we can just love them and care for them until the Lord says it's time to come home. That's going to happen to every single one of us. will happen to me. There will be a point when my energy and my strength and my health just deteriorate to the point that I really can do nothing more except come and to pray and to be part of a fellowship. And I pray that whatever fellowship I'm part of at that time will understand and will grant me mercy and grace and encouragement and But looking around this building, there are not many of us like that. Most of us still have so much to do. Most of us have so many places that we're called to in the kingdom of God. Most of us are learning to be strong enough to take our place and to do it. And some of us are wounded and weak. And we need to understand that and help them. Take a look at this passage. We who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good and to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, as it's written. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And Scripture also says this is, you want to really know that we are the church doing what God has asked. Take a look at this passage right here. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What does Jesus want? How do we show and demonstrate the law of Christ. Well, how about this? We carry each other's burdens. Hurting? Let us help you. But we don't want to help you stay hurt. We want to help you heal. And then we will expect you to take your place to help heal others. That's the family. One final thing here. Demonstrating this this functional thanksgiving to God. We are so thankful to God. We treat Him a special way. We are so thankful to God. We treat His people, His church, His call out. We treat His family a certain way. There's one way that we're going to do it. By remembering that 1 Corinthians 13 was written to the family of God. One of the best known passages in the Bible 1 Corinthians 13, we even have a name for it. What's the name for that chapter? The love chapter. And I don't know how many times. I have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of weddings. Can't even imagine how many I've done. Most of them, not all of them, most of them somewhere in there want me to read 1 Corinthians 13 as the bride and groom are staring at one another. You know, oh, I just love you so much. Let me read the 1 Corinthians 13. And I, I don't say this at a wedding because it would be, well, just kind of spoil the mood and why would I do that? But it wasn't written to husbands and wives. It really didn't have anything to do with husbands and wives. It was written to the church. It was written about a church. It was written in that very church we already talked about, that church at Corinth, the one that was going, bam, bam, bam. There were so many divisions over who they were going to follow. Sound familiar? Who would be their leader? Strike a chord? Who would do what? Who was the best? Paul comes back and says, you know what? 
you've got it all wrong. You're looking at everything all wrong. It has nothing to do with who your leader is. It has nothing to do with who you follow. It has nothing to do with your giftings. It has nothing to do with your call. It has nothing to do with your job. He says, I'll show you the best way to do it in the church. Would you read it with me? That passage, go ahead. Look at this passage. Read it with me. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Let's continue. Read this. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. One of the saddest things that's happened over the last 18 months or so, and it's continued in the last few days, has been the incredible division, hurt, and pain, and anger been manifest in the church over who's going to be president as if that has eternal consequences. I have unfollowed, I haven't unfriended anybody. I'm not much of a Facebook. I, I read it, but I don't post. Most of you know that. I have unfollowed more people since Tuesday night than I did before. Just because I couldn't take the nonsense I was hearing. I expect the world to um, explode the way that it is. There's nothing unexpected in what's happening now because I expect the world to react to things like that by certain ways. Oh, but how tragic to see it within Ecclesia. And I'm not discussing this church right here. Unless you're looking around going, who do you know? I'm friends with tons of people out there. I read tons of Christianity Today, even the news reports, all the I'm just looking at this and weeping. As if it really mattered. I told you last Sunday what was going to happen on Wednesday besides Chelsea getting her driver's license. And I was right. The sun came up and Jesus is still Lord. Some people are excited. Other people, not so much. Okay. Guess what? Four years, we're going to do it all again. And four years after that, I guarantee it's going to be somebody new. See, this is what we need to do. Just as we get ready for our sailor right here. Let's go to the next passage because Paul continues. He says, now look, this is how we treat one another. You really want to show thankfulness to God? You really want to say, I'm so grateful to God for everything that he's done? Then you treat his family just like this. 
Love is patient, kind, does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and it never fails. That is the family, the ecclesia, the called out ones. What a great opportunity we have to demonstrate to the world how we love one another, how we care for, how we honor one another in the church, not just this church, but throughout the church, the entire body of Christ, regardless of what the secular government decides to do, and not because of it. We are the church, the family of God. That's functional Thanksgiving. With those who are going to help me with communion, would you come forward now as we uh, prepare?